I'm going to be talking about the spirit-controlled life over the next few weeks. And there's no way that we could really do justice if we just tried to cram it all into a 20 or 30 minute message. And so, or 40 minute. <laughs> there's no way that we could do that. So here's what I'm going to do. If you'll listen and pay attention, I'm going to give you some things today that I think are important to understand about the flesh. Because you see, I think we talk about living a spirit-controlled life and that's great, but man, isn't that difficult? Anybody, anybody mastered living a spirit-controlled life? Anybody a professional here at that? Anybody have problems with the flesh? Or am I the only one? See, we don't like to talk about it. But you know what? In the Scripture, man, Paul talked about it an awful lot. Man, it's evident that this was a problem then just as much as it's a problem now. And so I'm just going to be real uh, up front with you. We're going to start... And then there's going to be a point in the message where I'm just going to simply say that's enough for today. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to go home this week. And I'm going to ask you to study this passage even in greater detail. I'm going to ask you to pour yourself into Scripture, into some of the passages that we'll cover. And so if you're a note taker, you can take down these, these passages and do your own personal study because it is vitally, vitally important that we understand uh, what it really means to live a spirit-controlled life. And so let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say to that church at Galatia in chapter 5. Notice what he says in verse number 16 and following. He says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. God, we need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your mercy to work in our lives, God. We need you to do something so amazing in our lives that people will look at it and realize that it was a miracle. God, certainly there are people here today that need physical healing. God, we've been praying for some of our church family members for, for years. God, with, with sicknesses and other things. And God, we realize that medicine will only take us so far, but you are the great physician. And so, Father, I pray that you would answer our prayers according to your divine will and that you would give healing according to your plan and your purpose. God, I pray for those that are enduring some type of other uh, situation in their family, God, that you might show yourself strong in their lives. God, I'm thankful for our visitors that are here today. Maybe there's someone here that has heard a lot about Jesus, but they've never come to the point where they have realized their need of a Savior. And so, God, as we talk about this idea of a, a living a spirit-controlled life, may we all understand where that begins today. God, I pray for souls to be saved. I pray for lives to be changed. 
God, I pray that as we enter into this kind of discussion about a spirit-controlled life over the next few weeks, God, that we might purpose in our own lives to grow closer to Thee. And God, we'll be careful to give You the thanks, the glory, and the honor for all the things that You'll do. And we ask it in the precious name of Your dear Son and for His sake. Amen and amen. Living a life that's controlled by the Spirit is difficult. Uh, And the only way that we'll ever really get to the point where we actually want to understand something about living a spirit-controlled life is to actually be honest with ourselves. I'm not asking for you to raise your hand. I'm not asking for you to stand up and give a testimony of, of how, how, uh, how, how bad this week was for you or how many flesh-related uh, decisions you made this week. That's not the point of the message. The reality is that we must walk in the Spirit if we're going to overcome these lusts that Paul talks about in the flesh and you know it can be difficult like I said in fact with without the knowledge of God which you know the Bible talks about us receiving when we receive Christ and we'll be there in just a second without the knowledge of God without the strength of God without the wisdom and the Spirit of God ruling in our lives living a spirit-controlled life is going to be virtually and not just virtually it's going to be impossible it's impossible to do because see Everybody wants to blame, you know, they say, well, the flesh made me do this. Well, see, if you're a believer, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a choice. You have a choice to obey the Spirit or you have a choice to obey the flesh. And so Paul talked a lot about it. But it's essential for us as believers to understand and to realize that as even Jim uh, Smith made reference to this in the Bible study, you and I have been accepted and approved by God. Hold on, let me say that again because I don't think you're very excited about it. You and I have been accepted and approved by God. (laughs) Go home and think about that just thought alone. It would blow your circuit breaker to think that God, the fact that we were at war with God because of our sinfulness, we are now accepted and approved. We have been adopted as sons. Remember a few weeks ago I was talking about the significance of being adopted as sons. That's a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness and love to us. But we've been adopted and we've been approved by God. The Lord has embraced us. He's loved us. He's looked after us. He's cared for us. Showed compassion on us. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 verse number 3 that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Praise the Lord for those wonderful blessings of God. But the reality is, we walk out of here Sunday morning, and some of us don't come back until the following Sunday morning, and that's not a criticism or a condemnation, but the reality is we get outside these doors, and life is tough. Anybody say amen? Is life tough for you? Because it's pretty tough for me. And I would encourage you to know this. I was telling Jared yesterday and Josh, anytime you get ready to do a study on the flesh versus the spirit, get ready. Because the old flesh will rear up. Just like when you start talking and, and learning about prayer and fasting and things like that. When you start studying God's word and you see the, the, the truth of his word dealing this, this battle, this war that's waging between the flesh and the spirit. I just got news for you. The flesh is going to rear up. You say, how do you know? Because I've been preparing a message on the flesh and the spirit for the past few weeks. Oh, it rears up. The flesh wants you to fulfill the lust of the flesh all the time. But I believe that because we have this relationship with Christ, we can be overcomers. Listen, the Lord has loved us and embraced us and done all these things, not because we deserve it. We don't deserve it. 
Not because uh, we have kept enough of the law to merit his approval because there's no one that could do that. No, as Christians, you and I have been accepted and approved of God because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, period. When I think about it, if we, if we think about it just for a second, we think about the fact that Jesus died to pay the penalty for our transgressions, our sin, our iniquity concerning the law. Now, when you think about that, you say transgression and uh, sin and iniquity. Transgression, speaking of willful rebellion. You know, it's like mom and dad say no, and you say, well, forget what mom and dad say. I'm going to do it anyway. That's willful rebellion. That's transgression. When we think about the idea of sin, we understand that sin is to miss the mark. Even in the Old Testament, there was this idea of missing the mark somehow. And then when we think of the idea of iniquity, the idea of iniquity means to be twisted all out of shape. It's like when you ask your kid, and I've shared this on Wednesday nights many times, it's when you ask your child or someone to take out the trash. And I've given this example, and Pat's smiling, you know, and, and, and your child says, okay, I'll take out the trash. And they do a perfect job at taking out the trash. And then they come back to you, and they have their hand out, and they say, now what do you give me for it? That's iniquity. You're twisted out of shape. You're doing something because you think you ought or you, you deserve something in return. See, a lot of times we try to live a spirit-controlled life and we try in our own strength to, to kind of manifest these things of the spirit, which, by the way, you cannot do and neither can I. You know what we can manifest? We can manifest some things of the flesh. But you and I don't manifest anything of the spirit without Jesus Christ. But we try to. I know there's a lot of people that lie to, like to try to live according to the spirit without really relying on the spirit. And then when they do some good deed or some good thing, they come back to the throne of God's grace and they go, what do I get for it? Hey, hey, Lord, did you see? Did you see I loved my neighbor? Lord, did you see I gave a, a case of bleach for the people in West Virginia? I'm here ready to receive my blessing. And that's not living the spirit-controlled life. That's a fleshly desire. That's the flesh, and we don't even understand it. In fact, I shared this story. The reality is, a lot of us, when we think about living the life according to the flesh or the spirit, we're all out of control, and we don't even know it. About a month ago, I decided I was going to teach on this, and I, I started on a Wednesday night, and I realized that there was going to be no way I was going to cover it on Wednesday night because we were getting ready for our summer Bible studies. And I shared the story of the lady who had an accident at her own home, no less, and she had to give a report to the insurance company. And here's how it goes. They said, ma'am, we're trying to process your claim. We need uh, you to kind of, kind of chronicle for us what took place. And so the lady says, okay, are you, are you ready? And they said, yes, ma'am. And she says, well, here's what happened. I went into my garage. I got in the car, and I started the back out of my garage, and I lost sight of the driveway. I ran off the driveway into the grass, ran over my hedge line, knocked over my trash cans, ran over my own mailbox, hit my neighbor's car, and then I lost control of the car. Uh, no, ma'am, you lost control of the car when you actually got in the car. You didn't see the driveway. You started to back out of the garage. You didn't even know where the driveway was. You didn't know where your yard was. It, did you not get a clue when you ran over the hedge bushes and knocked down your own mailbox and the trash cans? Was it only when you hit your neighbor's car that you realized you were out of control? You see, the reality is in life, that's like us. We try to do things in our own power, and in our own mind, in our own ways, and we don't even realize that we're out of control. 
We're living a life many times that's controlled by the flesh instead of the spirit. And we walk around with our halo on so tight, we think that we're, you know, we're all that in a bag of chips. And we're like, look at me, I'm super Christian. And we're living according to the flesh and we don't even know it. I like what Charles Stanley said. Charles Stanley, in speaking about this text, he said these words, he said, and it's quite lengthy, so listen. He says, God wants every believer to be filled with the Spirit. He said, but many Christians are not sure what this means or what it actually looks like. He says, he says to help us understand that whatever fills us controls us, the Apostle Paul, speaking to that church at Ephesus over in Ephesians chapter 5, actually uses drunkenness and cites drunkenness as a negative example of filling and tells us to avoid it. You remember it's that passage where he says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That's verses 18 uh, through like 21 over there in Ephesians chapter 5. And so he actually uses this. He goes on, he says this, he says, every believer is indwelt by God's Spirit, but the extent of the Spirit's rule is determined by the Christian's freedom to comply. Think of this as a voluntary choice to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit's control. In other words, be sensitive to His leadership and guidance, obedient to His promptings, and be dependent upon His strength. He said the evidence of the Spirit's control is actually revealed in a person's character. Those who have yielded their lives to Christ's leadership are continually being transformed into His likeness. The degree of a person's surrender determines the level of transformation. Even though good works and faithful service are the result of being filled with the Spirit, they are not, this is, catch this, he says they are not necessarily signs of it. Remember, we're talking about character, not what we do. See, when we're talking about a spirit-controlled life, we're talking about a person's character. And it's going to be revealed by the things that we think, the things that we say, the things that we do. He goes on. He says, it's much easier to serve the Lord in some manner than to love the unlovable, isn't it? He said, it's much easier to serve the Lord uh, than to be patient or kind with difficult people. But when the Holy Spirit is in charge of our lives, He does through us what we can never do. On our own. In the end, each believer decides who rules his or her life, either by actively surrendering to Christ or by deliberately going his or her own way. Even those who try to avoid the issue by making no choice at all unknowingly opt for self rule. The fullness of the Holy Spirit and godly character await those who choose God over self. Living a spirit-controlled life is pretty serious. It's a serious thing for believers to walk out these doors. Guys, if you name the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you say, you know what, Pastor? I've trusted Christ, man. I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I taught, he walks with me and he talks with me, you know, like that old song. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. I have this fellowship with Almighty God, and it's a continual fellowship day in and day out. Man, I, I'm living according to God's Word. I would encourage you, make sure you remain humble. Because when you think you're humble, or when you say to me you're humble, you've lost it. See? Humility. Yeah, Andrew Murray said that, not me. You want to quote somebody, it's Andrew Murray. The moment you think you're humble, you're not. 
See, living a spirit-controlled life is much less about us and much more about Christ. Notice with me in our text in verse number 16, just a couple of verses here. I want to kind of break it apart here and see a couple of things. Notice what verse number 16 says. Paul says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now notice these words. If, you're a, if you underline or you do things in your Bible, that's, that's between you and the Lord, that's great. Hey, by the way, my Bible is all marked up. You know, if you think, oh, is, is he against that? No, I'm not against that. But if you do that, notice this phrase. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and notice this little phrase, ye shall not. Just hold on to that for a second. Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would, but... Oh, I love the word but in Scripture. You remember over in Ephesians 2, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and then verse 4 says, but God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, I love the word but in Scripture. It says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now that phrase, if ye be led of the Spirit, actually means if you be willingly, if you be a willing participant with the Spirit, Ye are not under the law. Listen, we cannot simply will ourselves to overcome the lust of the flesh. Been there, done that, tried it. Lost at the battle. You say, I'm not going to allow myself to do this. Well, if you're not walking in the Spirit, you may be able to hold that up for a few days. You may even be able to hold it up for a few months. But I got news for you. You know who knows your weakness? The same one who knows my weakness. You know? And James actually knew this too because he says every man is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed of his own, anybody know? Lust. We're talking about the lust of the flesh, guys. And so we see here in verse number 16, the word flesh, it's actually a reference to the old nature. Understand that Paul is not saying here, guys, that there won't be any flesh because you and I just look at ourselves in the mirror, we're covered with flesh, right? There's not going to be, he's not saying there won't be any flesh. He's not saying that there will not be any lust or temptation to the flesh. Because James actually confirms that, as I just said, in James 1.14. Paul's not even saying that the flesh will not from time to time act sinfully. Has any, let me ask a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe you could just put out a little, oh my. Anybody sin by thought, word, or deed this week? Oh my? No oh my's in the room? Man, you guys got it all figured out. Why are we talking about living a spirit-controlled life? Oh, my. Oh, my. Anybody think a wrong thought? Anybody? Hey, anybody have uh, the Apostle Peter syndrome this week? Open mouth, insert foot. Anybody? Thank you for your honesty, sir. God bless you. <laughs> One honest man back there raised his hand. Hey, anybody not only think or say something? I know. You know, it's like that little song, Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Anybody fall into that problem this week? Oh, my. Oh, my. That's why it's so important. And you say, well, are you beating us down? No, because the Apostle Paul evidently had a problem with this. But you know what I find in Scripture? The Apostle Paul went from Saul to Paul. He went from murderer to missionary. God used him mightily. And if God can use him mightily, God wants to use you and me mightily. But the reality is we have to give ourselves over to the Spirit's control. 
Oh, certainly the Holy Spirit indwells us. But what are we doing with it? Listen, what Paul is saying is that we should never give ourselves up to the power of the flesh because when we do, we actually become slaves to that which we give ourselves over to. Notice with me over in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6, I want you to see something. In fact, when you get there, I want you to look at verse 12, but I want you to drop back with me before you get to verse 12. Notice back, and literally, guys, you, if you want to do a real study on this, read the whole, the whole chapter. But notice, if, if you have your Bible, I'm going to read this for you. Notice what verse number 6 actually says, and leave it there. We're going to come back to verse 12. Verse 6 says, knowing this, that our old man, the, excuse me, the old nature is crucified with him, speaking of Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Why should we not serve sin? Anybody remember? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. So if all things are become new, there's an implication that we should be living in the new, not the old. And that's where the spirit-controlled life comes in. Now, notice what verse 12 says. Verse 12 and following, the Bible says, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Anybody like being under grace? Yeah, but let's not confuse being under grace with the liberty to sin. You see, because that's, that's I love the fact that I'm under grace, because there's no way I could keep all points of the law. In fact, I told you at the beginning that Jesus Christ, he came and he died for the transgression, my sin, my iniquity concerning the law. He, he died for that sin that was imputed to me from the very first sin, okay? But guys, <laughs> we have to understand that just because we're under grace does not give us liberty to live as though we please. In fact, if you notice up, while you're at Romans chapter 6, notice up. At verse number one, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul gives the answer right there in verse number two when he says, God forbid. God forbid that we would uh, take the grace of God for granted. That we would live in a way that brings damage to his name. Listen, the spirit and the flesh have different appetites. Just like husbands and wives have different appetites. The spirit and the flesh have different appetites. This is actually what creates conflict. And by the way, this is what actually creates and leads to conflict in the home. You see, because many times in a marriage relationship, we're driven by the flesh. I want him to do this. I want my wife to say this. I want her to be this way. I want him to do this. I want him to be at home. I want... And so that's what really creates conflict because, see, and I've done this a lot when, when we talk about counseling. See, the flesh drives our desires. 
See, James said, every man is tempted. Every man and woman, boy and girl, is tempted when we are drawn away and enticed of our own lust. James 1.14. I was, I was talking about that a minute ago. Okay? But here's the reality. We all respond to our husbands, our wives, to our co-workers, to our neighbors through a set of circumstances. Here's, here's how we communicate. We communicate through our desire. What is my desire? My desire is to be right. My desire is to be heard. My desire is to have agreement. My desire is to do this. Then that dictates our actions. If I want to be heard, what do we typically do? Huh? What do we do? We talk. What do, how do we talk? We start getting loud, don't we? I want him to hear me. I'm tired of it. I'm fed up. Well, guess what? You're being driven by the lust of the flesh. You say, well, I want to be right. I want our relationship. Guess what? You're being driven by the lust of the flesh. See, our desire leads to actions, but our actions always lead to consequences. And so the reality is our desires should always be to please God first. If that's our desire, if our desire is to become more like Christ, to conform more to the image of His dear Son, then that's going to dictate our actions, and those actions will reap a very different set of consequences. Similarly, when we talk about living a spirit-controlled life, it's going to have an effect on us as well. Listen, the flesh, the old nature is looking for something unclean. The spirit or the new nature is always yearning for things that are holy, things that are clean. And the reality is that our flesh will always hate the spirit being in control. It always will. It's like years ago, they used to have uh, this commercial, uh, Robert Conrad. And if you're over 45 years of age, see, some of you are already laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You remember Robert Conrad, he used to put the, uh, uh, was it, Ever Ready battery on his shoulder? Some of the young people are shaking their head. They're like, I don't even know who Robert Conrad is. How dare you? Robert Conrad was on that show, Emergency. Remember? And he had the battery and he would tell you, I dare you to knock it off. Had a commercial. You know, I think we live our lives a lot with the little guy with the little pitchfork on this shoulder and the little guy with the halo on this shoulder. And every day, we choose which one we're going to serve. And you know what? Not only every day, multiple times during the day. Minute by minute. You see, because you can make a decision for the flesh... But see, the grace of God allows you to turn that, that puppy around and then start living for Christ in the next minute. But multiple times during the day, we have an opportunity where we can follow the lust of the flesh or we can live a spirit-controlled life. But the reality is the flesh will always hate the spirit because the, the spirit being in control, you see, the spirit wants us to surrender our lives. The flesh says, oh, don't surrender to the spirit. Man, if it feels good, do it. Do whatever you want. Who's watching? Who cares? That's what the flesh says. See, the Spirit says surrender. The Spirit says sacrifice. The Spirit talks about discipline. But in verse number 16, I've already pointed out to you, the Bible says there, I, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not. Listen, the only one answer to conquering the lust of the flesh is the Holy Spirit. That's the only answer. You can't muster it. I can't muster it. You can't read a book. You can't get a book, Living the Spirit-Controlled Life by such and such author, and read that book and then come away and say, I got it all figured out, I'm going to live the Spirit-Controlled Life. Because I guarantee you, real soon and very soon, you'll be falling 
and living according to the flesh. Listen, the Bible says we're to walk in the Spirit. And I think part of the problem of living a Spirit-controlled life comes with this. Have you ever heard that saying, don't put the cart before the horse? See, a lot of people get so spiritually smart. They think they know it all according to God's Word. And so what they do is they actually put themselves in front of the Holy Spirit. They say, hey, 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 I got this. I'm going to walk. Hey, you follow me, Holy Spirit. I got it. I got it all figured out. You can just follow me. You know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Be very, very careful because your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. His ways and His thoughts are higher than yours and I. And so we have to be very careful of kind of putting that cart, that mentality of putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. But then I think there's a lot of people who live like this. Living according to the flesh, according to the flesh, and then we get, oh, I could have had a V8, and then we decide, hey, I want to live according to the Spirit. And so what we do is we start chasing the Spirit. Hold on, hold on, Holy Spirit. I, I, I want to I walk in the Spirit, but, but you're going too fast for me. Yeah, the train's left the station, so to speak. Listen, the Bible says walk in the Spirit. Don't walk after, don't, don't, don't be behind it, don't walk in front of it, don't try to muster something that you can't muster. Because if you're taking notes, the flesh is always going to fight for dominance. It's always going to fight for dominance in your life. It's, uh, I gave this analogy, I think I actually gave it last week. And I was telling Jared we ought to set one out here. A.T. Robertson uh, actually once made the analogy, or used the illustration rather, of the flesh warring against the spirit as a tug-of-war match. And you got the rope lined out there. Anybody ever played tug-of-war when you were a kid? Anybody? No? Nobody played tug-of-war either. Nobody sins. Nobody's played tug-of-war. Nobody's done anything. And I got ladies shaking her head at me. I played tug-of-war. Praise the Lord. Hey, don't be offended, folks. There's enough sin in this room to build a mountain of sin. But you know what? Jesus Christ came and he wiped it all away. <laughs> One fell swoop. Sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow have been wiped clean. Listen, what a great Savior we have. When I point these things out, it's not meant to bring us down. It's, to, it's meant to cause us to realize that we need the Savior daily. There's a tug-of-war match that is going on. And on one side, we got team flesh. And on the other side, we got team spirit. And if you've ever seen a tug-of-war match, you've got somebody who holds the ribbon right in the middle, and you've got to pull until the ribbon crosses a line over here for this team to win. And then you've got to pull to get them over on this line for this team to win, right? As soon as they let go of that rope, what happens? Everybody starts pulling with all of their might. See, in a tug-of-war match, A.T. Robertson, what he was saying is, when you start this, this battle between the flesh and the spirit, Team Flesh is going to pull with all their might. And they're going to try and jerk you and I. Every day, minute by minute, they're going to try and jerk you and I across the line, so to speak. But for the believer, here's where the rubber meets the road, guys. If we are in Christ, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us and gave Himself for us. We ought to be walking and living in the Spirit. And so when that tug-of-war match takes place, we ought to be jerking and wanting to come and get rid of the flesh. There's a real battle because the flesh always fights for dominance. The flesh wants to be number one in your life and in my life. But we don't have to let it dominate our lives. Another thing I think about the flesh is it's difficult to control. 
It's difficult to control. I think about James. James confirms this, and, and I just want a principle here because he's talking about when we ask uh, anything, when we talk about asking in prayer. He says in James 4, verse 1 and following, he says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Where do they come from? They come from our lusts. That's what I shared over about conflict. Listen, this is what, because the flesh and the spirit have different appetites. Conflict arises. And so James says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. But then notice what he says in verse 3. He says, ye ask and ye receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. And so even when we're asking God to intervene in many circumstances of our life, the reason that we're not hearing God answer or getting the answers that we think we want is because we're asking them amiss. We're asking for things that are according to my will, not his will. You see, we all have loved ones that go through illnesses. My aunt just got a good report from her cancer treatment. Praise the Lord. 70, 78 years old now. Just went through surgery, chemo, radiation, and she's gotten a good report. But the reality, guys, not everybody gets a great report. But you know what? We can still rejoice, always. Because I often said, listen, if the Lord ever brings more physical problems in my life, He's going to heal me on this side or on the other side. Oh, to be absent from the body, I'd rather, it says rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Man, I, I, I'm looking forward to that time anyway. We ought to want to honor the Lord with our lives. The flesh is so difficult to control. I think about the Apostle Paul in, in Romans chapter 7. Look with me there in verse 21. And I, I'll not read the whole passage. I want you to read it. In fact, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter. But especially from verses 14 and following. Because he really talks about this battle that's going on inside of himself. This battle between the flesh and the spirit. But in verse number 21 and following, he says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But then notice what he says. He says, but I see another law in my members. He realizes there's something else going on. He says, I see another law war in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. He has a right assessment of himself. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. I think about the passage, and you can write it down and go look at it later on your own, but over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, the Apostle Paul, he talks about the weapons of our warfare are mighty when we walk in the Spirit. That's the implication there. They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. When we walk in the Spirit, we can have victory. When we walk according to the flesh, I can assure you it's going to be difficult to control. Another thought about the flesh is the flesh is always pushing and seeking gratification. Isn't that right? It always wants to be gratified. The flesh wants what it wants. It doesn't care what the Spirit wants. And quite frankly, it doesn't care what you want. It's very selfish in its nature. Listen, being under grace is not now or ever 
an excuse to sin. It's been said, the more we indulge in sin, the more we want to sin, and the more we will become enslaved to sin. Every one of us have sensory components that push us to do what we want. And the problem occurs in my life, just as it would in your life. The problem occurs when I lift the spiritual band, so to speak. You know, there's some things that we put spiritual protectors or, or bands on in our life. When I lift the spiritual band, so to speak, when it comes to my inclinations, my desires, my passions, and my own emotions, see, I lift that band and I say, it's okay this one time. It's okay for me to fulfill the lust of the flesh just a little bit right there. It's not going to hurt anybody. See, we convince ourselves of this. We say, shh, nobody's watching. I'll lift the spiritual band just a little bit, and it'll be okay. But here's the problem, guys. When we lift the spiritual band in our lives just a little bit, then the next time it's a little bit more. Next time it's a little bit more. Next time it's a little bit more. And it gets to the point where we're never desiring to live or to walk in the Spirit. Oh, this is why we must bring our sinful desires into subjection as Christians. Colossians 3, 5 tells us that we need to mortify or put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I think about Ephesians 4. It talks about you and I putting off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And it says in verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Paul's pretty serious about this battle, this struggle that goes on. I'd encourage you to read Romans chapter 8. In fact, you might as well just go over to Romans and from Romans chapter 5, just start reading. But read chapter 6 for sure. Read chapter 7 for sure. Read chapter 8 because he talks an awful lot about this battle that goes on in the Spirit. And I think about Romans chapter 8. Notice in verse number 8, and I didn't ask the guys to put this up, so I'm just going to read it. Just in this one, uh, a couple of verses, in verse 6 he says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity or war against uh, God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And then verse 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When we live according to the flesh, you can't live according to the flesh. I cannot live according to the flesh and think I'm pleasing God. That's kind of like walking without faith and think you're pleasing God. Well, I see that I have a job. I see that I have to pay this. I see that I have to do this. So I'm going to walk according to what I see rather than pleasing God. Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, that's where our mind comes into the picture and we have problems with the spirit-controlled life. We have all craved in the flesh and done things we didn't want to do. Things like overeating. You say, oh, please, look at you. I could blow and blow you over. Uh, listen, uh, not when there's a chocolate cake in the refrigerator. You know, it's like I made a bunt cake last week. Yes, ladies, I made chocolate bunt cake. My wife made the frosting. We're a tag team, all right? We put that little puppy in the, in the, in the oven and everything, and it's sitting in the little cake thing in the fridge. I like cold cake. I like my cake cold. And so... Pull, pull out the cake, and my wife says, just a little slice. My mother-in-law says, a little teeny, teeny slice. You know what I want to say. I want, it's, it's one of those bunt cakes that looks like a th cathedral building. I want a whole cathedral. 
If I'm going to have some cake, I want a whole cathedral and I want some milk with it. Listen, we all do those things according to the flesh. We overeat. What about, you ever become angry? No one. Uh, anybody ever make poor choices? Uh, everyone, we've talked about having evil thoughts or doing evil things. What about unrestrained, lustful thoughts? Being filled with pride, acting selfishly, cheating, lying, stealing. Oh, the flesh is so strong. But see, the problem is not just in those superficial things that we deal with, but we all struggle in areas such as this. What about sacrificing for someone else? We just took up a love offering and some things for the people of West Virginia. What about this? What about reaching out? Have you ever struggled with the flesh that says, no, I don't want to reach out today? Please don't ask me, please don't ask me to do anything for the Lord today. What about being loving? Have you ever struggled with just actually being a loving person? I don't feel like loving that person today. Therefore, I'm going to withhold that love. What about being patient with people? What about helping or giving to people or being kind? You see, the spirit-controlled life will say, do these things, but the flesh will say no. I think I could sum up and really kind of finish this today. We've got to take a break here. John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 30, he gives us a kind of a key. Notice what he says. He says, he must increase, but I decrease. See, if you're going to live a spirit-controlled life, we have to understand the principle, more of Christ, less of Greg. More of him, less of me. That's going to be a great starting point for you and I as we go out this week and we start to meditate on this. We haven't even gotten into the list of the things that the flesh reveals. And by the way, this list is just the starting point. In this list, each, each one, each one leads to other things as well. And so it, it's, it's amazing how thorough this list is, even if you don't think it's a complete list of the things that the flesh leads to. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah 6, what did he say? Oh, I'm a man of unclean lips. He said, woe is me. When he saw and he recognized who Christ was, he realized what he wasn't. Think of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2. He said, for me to live. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I put down here as I close, a person's character is going to be revealed by his or her life. And so I simply ask you today to think about it because we're going to stop. I'm simply going to ask you today, what type of character is your life communicating? See, if our character is revealed by the things that we think, say, and do, is my character revealing to the world that I'm more driven by the flesh? Or is my character revealing to the world that I am wanting and desiring to walk in the Spirit? You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean we get more of Him, but that we give Him more of ourselves. You see, when I give more of myself to God and I say, God, I'm not worthy of it. God, I'm a mess. God, I need you to intervene in my life. 
God, I continue to make poor choices. God, I'm a sinful man. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Oh God, help me not to say those things. Help me not to think those wrong things. God, help me not to go to those places that I know I shouldn't go because when I go there, it leads me into sin. And then when I do those things, I bring dishonor to your name. When we get to that point and we start saying, God, I need more of you and less of me, then I believe we'll start to see a change in our life. I believe we'll start to see a change not only in our lives individually, but we'll see a change in the life of this church. You say, is this church bad? No, this church isn't bad. But could this church be better? Hold on. Can this church be better? Do you think Warrington could get better? Do you think Warrington's arrived? Do you think Haymarket has arrived? Do you think that we have reached everybody in Gainesville, Warrington, uh, Manassas, Bristol, uh, uh, what other town? Summerduck? I know there's Summerduckers out here. Uh, what about Brista, uh, Bealton, Remington? Have we reached everybody in these places? No, we haven't. I believe a big part of it is because we don't spend enough time walking in the Spirit. So I pray that this week that you'll do your own study, that you'll get on your knees and you'll ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, that you'll ask God to give you the ability to walk in the Spirit this week in a way that you've never walked before. And I pray it in Jesus' name.